0: The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther.
1: Hello, I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast on BBC Sounds. This week, Mick Lavelle is my special guest, taking your calls on everything from runner beans, orchids and mimosa. We've also got some top tips of things you could be getting on with in the garden, plus our plant of the week. Coming up also in the podcast, look out for events and gardens that you could visit around the county. And if you'd like your event mentioned in the podcast, all you have to do is drop me an email at ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk or send it in the post. See that they're both here two weeks before. Send it to Ken Crowther, BBC Essex, P.O. Box 765, Chompsford CM2 9XB. We go straight to your calls, and this week we start with Sharon from Harridge. You're talking runner beans, is that right, Sharon?
2: That's right, Ken, yeah. I've got some in, um, they're about six inches tall at the moment, and I just wondered how early I could sort of put them in the ground.
1: So your runner bean plants are six inches tall already. Where have you got them at the moment, then?
2: In the greenhouse.
1: Ooh, um, how early can you put them out? Now, of course, this is mm. interesting, Mick, because some people take a chance, don't they? Yeah. Pop them out now, and we'll get no frost, and they'll be ahead of the
0: game. On the other hand... If you get a very... Even, not not have to be frost, a very cold night, and there's going to be a very cold night on um, Sunday... I mean, we say very cold, I mean, relative to the, what the nights we've had recently, uh, that can, uh, you can get something called a check on the plant, which will actually slow it down and they never quite uh, recover from it. So it's often a problem with bare bedding that's put out early. It forms a smaller plant because what you want to do is just keep the rate of growth up. If anything, my advice would be to try and keep them inside for about another week or two if you can and then put them out towards the end of the month, because they are basically a bedding plant, which we can eat, when you think about it.
1: Would you pinch the tops out? Because it won't well, hurt to get them... I know, you. Yeah. in theory, you wouldn't pinch a top out of a runner bean, particularly at a young stage, but you could do, couldn't you? And get two twining, couldn't
0: you? I'd be tempted to to uh, pinch it out um, very sort of, um, much towards the tip, not taking, not, not pinching them back. Like bedding, you pinch back quite hard, because you want to get a lot of shoots at the base and get a bushy plant, which of course you don't want with a climbing plant like a bean. If you pinch just the growing tip out, you might just get a couple of the buds below going, which, as Ken says, will give you a double leader in there. Right, but if, you, okay. if it's not necessary to pinch them, though. It's one only, only do it if you think, mm, it's getting a bit tall now, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with this.
2: OK. OK. And could I just ask about my compost I've got going?
0: What would you like to know?
2: Um, well, I started it about uh, six weeks or maybe eight weeks ago now. Um, I just wondered whether it's supposed to be hot at the bottom.
0: It uh, depends really on how you built it. If you if you build it in successive layers of what we call greens and browns, now browns are all things like uh, dead leaves, things which have actually died on the plant, and greens are um, all, your, obviously, green matter, so it could be lawn clippings, leaves, anything like that. It's anything which is still alive, and it also includes manure, actually, as well, uh, and you put them in equal layers and build it up to about something which has got to be around about a metre by a metre minimum. Uh, that will heat up. Because it's got the right amount of things for the bacteria to to feed on. Um, But if you've just got a a whole load of stuff piled up there, which you've been piling for a while, it's what's called a cold heap, and it doesn't tend to heat up as much.
2: Right, because I've got, I keep, um, I put the um, special um, composted, you know, the um, activator on. Yeah. And I water it as well, and I sort of um, put paper on there as well as other bits and pieces. It might heat
0: up a bit, but I mean, the, the, it is really about the balance of nutrients for all the activators and things like that you put on there, and all the claims on packets. It, it has to have. I mean, it's, you know, it's like putting petrol onto a car rather than <laughs> put it into a car. Everything has to go in, in the right That's order. That's a good way. Like, a of you know. putting Yeah, yeah. So, so you've got. I mean, don't take it as a failure. All it means is it'll compost more slowly. I'm a big fan of slow composting, uh, where you don't need compost quickly because the amount of biodiversity which exists in a compost heap is just Huge, phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. It's it's wonderful, and and it's all stuff which is beneficial for nutrient cycling. We put it onto the soil, it will help to keep on breaking it down. Whereas um, if you want to produce a sterile compost, obviously hot composting is useful, but for most of us we don't actually need that.
2: Right, Uh, can you put potato peelings on there or not?
0: You can, yeah. and most of them all, the compost. Be prepared. I had this a couple of years ago. Suddenly, I'd used some compost, compost to to bulk up some compost in some hanging baskets. Suddenly, whacking great potato plants started to grow out of the uh, behind my begonias in the hanging basket. So, but uh, that's the worst that can happen. And you can weed them out. You know. So, so I mean, it's a yes. You can. They're, they're perfectly all right for it.
1: Uh, let's uh, move on. And that number is oh eight hundred triple one forty forty one. And John from Brentwood. John, how can we help you, John?
3: Morning, Kevin. Me. Morning. I've got a rather sad um supermarket orchid right uh, and I really don't know what to do with it it's okay well long look. To- tell the, tell us what
1: the right it's finished flowering
3: yeah long time ago yeah long
1: time ago what are the
3: leaves doing are
1: they soft flappy are they are they you know are they yellow what's happening no. to it
3: no there's uh three good oh no five good green uh, floppy leaves and one dead one, which is off now. And it's got two green shoots with uh, a growth coming out the side. The very top of the shoot, about a foot high, is dead. Can I cut that off?
1: You go down to, on an orchid, you go Mm -hmm. down the stem until you hit green green wood, basically. Mm -hmm. And when you hit green wood, you cut just above the green wood. Yeah, and what will happen is they usually. Uh, I take it you're talking phalaenopsis with the wide, broad leaves, yes? Yeah, it will and re-shoot from that, won't yeah. it, Mick? Yeah. And then reflower.
3: Yeah.
1: It's,
3: where will the flowers come from? Then no shoots.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. All right. And all is you a, need,
1: all I would do is get a, an orchid drip feed, pop that in the top, and that will work wonders.
3: Oh, drip feed, right. Yeah, okay, you don't, you don't need to
4: repot
0: this. them or anything. No repotting, yeah, nothing. They like being uh, held in a, a small amount of um, open compost.
3: Um, do I need to repot it? It's in about... Uh, no, 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 So what I was just saying. You
0: don't need no. to repot it. Just oh. leave it in the same pot, yeah.
3: Yeah. OK, Le- thank you very
1: much. That's a pleasure. That's John from Brentwood. And we go to Hodderston to talk to Alan.
5: What have we got, Alan? Oh, hi, Ken, uh, Mick. Uh, about last week with the strawberries, with the black centres... Mm-hmm. Um, someone has given me a gardener's world clipping from April 9, 2019, and right. it says, known as strawberry black eye. This happens when open strawberry flowers get frosted. These yeah. flowers mm. will not produce fruits in future, couple mm. of fruits up. That's
1: right, because we mm. said that, didn't we? We said remove them, didn't we?
5: Yeah, I've picked them all off. Put them in the in the compost bin. There,
1: mm. there you go. I, I
5: just, just thought I'd let you know it was in Gardeners' World in April.
1: Yeah, because I I don't think necessarily, and it's something Mick just mentioned just now, is that it's all it's not necessarily frost. It can be actually a very low temperature. Yeah, yeah can't, can't, can't. even with yeah. a straw even with a strawberry. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the,
5: yeah, that's right. I, actually, I, whenever I go over, I seem to pick a handful of flowers off, and I thought, well, there was no frost last night, so it's just actual cold.
0: Yeah, we've had a bit of a fluctuating temperature. Plants like steady increase this time of the year, and they can take a certain amount of fluctuation, but when you get it's punctuated with uh, what for the plant is an extreme event. So if it's been seven, eight, nine degrees at night time, when suddenly it goes down to two degrees, and yeah. the nights are still reasonably long at the moment as well. The strawberries don't really like it. The best um, sort of answer to it is to, uh, to put fleece out over your strawberries at night. And yep. then you just get out there early in the morning, and take it off as the bees yep. are waking up to make sure they get pollinated.
5: Okay, thank you very much. Not a problem.
0: pleasure.
1: And, in fact, it's an interesting one because it's... uh, The other day, I think last week, we were talking temperatures on the roof, and I think it was 17, 18. What's today? It's 10, you know. I mean, Mm. you've dropped 7, 8 degrees, which is a lot of temperature, isn't it, to deal with? It is, indeed, yeah. So let's move on to Christine in Benfleet. Is that mimosa we're talking?
4: Oh, yes, please, yeah. Um, Um, We've been given a mimosa in a pot. Um, Um, The pot is 10-inch, a 10-inch pot. And the mosa about sixteen inches high, eighteen inches across. Um, at the moment, we've got it in the unheated greenhouse, and we're watering it, but
1: right, okay. We don't
4: know whether to. Is it the one?
1: It? Is it the one with a sort of um, a fern, furry, ferny type leaf?
4: Ferny type leaf, yes. I and has it? And it. it's
1: in flower, in yellow flower, or not at the moment? No,
4: no, that's all over. You can. That's see finished. It's finished. Okay. Now.
1: Well, mm. they're not. Hundred—it's the same thing—is you know they're not hundred percent hardy, yeah, but they uh,
0: usually survive. And the problem is, there's so many plants known as mimosa. Yeah, uh, because, they're, this they're, sounds
1: because like debata, yeah, it sounds like debarter,
0: doesn't it? Yeah, it could be. Yeah, but there's quite a there's a number of um, borderline hardy um, acacias, which is what the mimosas generally are. Uh, and there's also the uh, albizia sometimes get called mimosa as well. And uh, we are all quite closely related to each other. Most of them, I would say, it's like the tip of the iceberg, which is hardy. And even then, once you get down past about minus five, they're not really hardy. Um, so if you're growing them in a pot um, and moving them to and fro, it's fine. But they do actually... They're, they're the, big, aren't they? The, the trick is, you got to remember, it's a mimosa tree. <laughs> it <laughs> is so a tree. Yeah. And so you've got a limited amount of pruning back that you can do on it uh, without doing anything to the roots. And so... so uh, they are a bit short term really, it's, so it's one of these annoying. things. You just got to enjoy it when you can, you know. So that, right. if you plant it out in the garden in a really sheltered spot, um, sometimes they'll do really well. In fact, I had one do so well in my garden. I had to cut the thing down because it got too big. Because I thought, that well, <laughs> this will never survive, you know. But it well, did. Do. It did well. <laughs> so, so you could keep it in the pot, but
1: yeah. you, it needs Is to go in a, a bigger pot, pot. now. Is
4: it said a ten inch pot.
0: Oh, um, said you know, how it? It's, 16 it's about sixteen high, inches high,
4: eighteen across.
0: Um, that'd be alright it that should pot. be okay for now yeah it I mean I w- I would, I've made I've b- maybe See, see how it goes with really. there's no there's no limit to, to when you pot it on really during no, the yeah. summer. You can pot it on during the summer if needs be and that'll be during fine.
4: Summer, yeah.
0: Um what you want to avoid is potting it on in the autumn where you can have a lot of wet compost around the outside of the, the root board. Spring to, would uh, yeah. late
1: spring would be so, better, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, i
0: will pot spring. it up any time if it needs it up until about September. After that leave it in the pot and wait till next spring. Use John in his number three? Yes, absolutely. Always with a long term thing like that. Use Johnny's number three.
4: Okay, this number three. Can okay. I ask you one more? Well, just re- um, I think it was last week or the week before. One of your colleagues, you were reflecting back on Ken, um, a little bag of sunshine. What was that stuff?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's using potash basically. Mm. It's sunshine in a bag because mm. it in produce, a bag, yes. it produces flowers and fruit. Mm-hmm.
4: So, something with plenty of potash. Yeah, so you can use yeah.
1: tomato food as a yeah. liquid tomato food, your best bet, possibly.
4: Oh, liquid tomato food is the best bet, right. It's the
1: okay. easiest, definitely. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. All right. right. Yes, okay, thanks for your help.
1: It's time now for plant of the week. And I'm going for wisteria this week. It's in the legume family and it's native to sort of places like China, Korea, and Japan. It ended up coming here during sort of the Victorian times when the plant hunters were bringing them back. It's a lovely climber. It's quite, it's semi vigorous if it's got the right position. And it climbs and twines stems up, whatever it climbs up, trellis or wires. Now let's look at it because it's quite interesting. The flora bunda, the, the stems will twine clockwise. The sinensis type will, believe it or not, they go the other way, they go clockwise. But it can climb up to 60 feet if you let it. The leaves are alternative, opposite each other, and the flowers are in racemes nearly 10 to 80 centimetres long, like the laburnum, but far, far bigger. The flowers produce in spring, about now, they're looking absolutely fantastic, Um, and some of the sinensis ones are actually perfumed. They come before the leaf, which is, again, quite unusual. The seeds are long and in pods, but remember, they are poisonous. All parts of the, place, of the, of the plant actually uh, actually have saponin in them, which is toxic if ingested. It makes you sick, maybe, can give you the trots, all sorts of things. So do not play or let your children chew the bark of your wisteria. Um, they like full sun. They are relatively fast growing if they're in the right position. Fertile soil is best with a little bit of moisture, well-drained, will not tolerate wet conditions. Don't feed them with too much nitrogen because they produce their own nitrogen within the root system and use a good tomato food which will get them into flower. You have to cut back the shoots quite short uh, to produce the side shoots uh, after... Do that after flowering and they'll produce the, the buds for next summer. And in the meantime, they'll produce long tendrils and you need to cut those back to about three buds and that'll happen about three times a year. If you're listening to Peter on Sunday mornings, give him a call and ask him how his wisteria is. He's got fantastic wisteria all across the back of his house. So they are. Go and get a wisteria. They're worth having. Bob, uh, what do you got for us in from Landon?
5: Right, I've got a um, bit of rough ground that uh, I levelled off and put some old uh, um earth that i would taken out of one of the big tubs, spread yeah. it out over the top, and uh, after I'd done it and seeded it, I wonder was a, it, it would be all right using the um, ericotia earth, you know?
1: I oh, see, so you've used ericotia soil and you've seeded it, did you say, with yeah, grass? Yeah, i
5: seeded it, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it, I sh- know, it shouldn't um, be a major
0: I mean, problem because the, the compost itself... Although it's acidic, the, the the plants are going to root down into what's beneath. Um, so, as, if you put a, a shallow sort of amount of um, ericaceous, which is a, a slightly acidic material, over what's basically um, a sort of an alkaline soil, um, it will fairly quickly be neutralized. And if you put it over something which was already acidic, then it matches it. So, there shouldn't be too much problem. If you'd put like, I don't know, a foot and a half of it, depth down that would be a real problem
1: (laughs) but you have you just spread it thinly have you bob yeah yeah Yeah, that's no no problem no problem at all
5: right okay and what about the the grass seed itself just uh, um it was like seed i had from last year and i thought i'll use it up and get rid of it you know because it was only on a bit of rough ground you know would that be all right
0: might
1: be it but might I mean, be it, might not i yeah. mean personally i just try it if it doesn't come up go and get some more
5: yeah right okay don't and right. and Thanks
1: just 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 um just throw it on don't make too much of a fuss of the area just just literally sprinkle it on i personally never rake it in no um i know uh, our friend on gardeners world was raking it in and making quite a fuss of his grass seed but Generally, it
0: will come up without any fuss at all. Yeah, a lot of what you see with grass seed is actually the husk. The yeah. seeds drop down in amongst the soil particles anyway.
5: Okay. Right. Okay. All okay. right, so I don't need to put any uh, normal topsoil on yet. No, no. you're yeah, fine. Right. thanks very much. Okay,
1: that's Bob from Langdon and we go to Joan from Wickford. Hello, Joan. We're talking camellias, are we?
6: We certainly are, Ken. Yeah. Um, I've got a camellia that's in the pot, and it's quite big. It started to flower, you know, all lovely red, uh, you know, coming on blooms, and all of a sudden it stopped, all its leaves have gone brown, and it's all droopy, and it looks like it's dying. Can you help? I've had a look round the plant, and it doesn't look like there's any new shoots there. I've had a look at the ladies next door, and it looks all green and healthy.
1: So there's nothing green on it at all?
6: Yeah, I've got the leaves. You know all the leaves that were there and all all the red buds And they're green. Come out, but I've, I keep going out there. Well, it's right near my patio door, and they don't look like there's any little new shoots or anything. it, it To me, it looks like it's dying. So that's why I'm ringing you up. Do I need right, to Right, so is going it in a pot?
1: Uh, right, great. so it's in a pot, but it's got green leaves still. They haven't gone brown.
6: Yeah, they are going brown. Right, the leaves okay. are going
0: brown, you know. Okay. Uh, uh, are they going brown from the edges uh, in, or are they all going brown completely across the whole leaf?
6: Um,
0: so, does it start at the edges and work its way in? Yeah, it
6: looks like it's all going
0: brown. Right, okay. Um, the pot that it's I mean, in. It's
6: red buds on it. Has it got drainage in the out. pot?
0: Has, have, you got, have you got drainage in the bottom of the pot?
6: Yeah, there's drainage in the bottom of the pot, isn't yeah. there, Dave? Because I'll keep... I didn't know be whether underwater, to it.
0: Yeah, yeah,
6: yeah. So, I mean, it's gone over a couple of times because we had a lot of strong winds, didn't we? Mm. You know, I don't know whether to... You know, the next pot up will be the biggest one you can buy. Mm. I don't want to get another pot if it's on its way out. No. It's, You'd uh, only
0: know by scraping the bark, wouldn't you? Yeah. Uh, it, sa- it sounds to me like... Well, Ken just saying you only know by scraping the bark to see if it was green underneath. It sounds it was to me... Green if green underneath... Yeah, it sounds to me it's a root problem.
6: Um, That's what I thought when I I keep... Because the lady next door, she's got one in her garden and all her leaves look lovely, healthy and shiny and mine don't. Mm. They look all brown and droopy.
0: Yeah, but but that's what I was saying. If it's actually... If it's moving in from the outside of the leaf uh, and so so the the edges of the leaf and particularly the tip of the leaf are starting to brown and the leaves going yellow, that's usually a sign of either overwatering or underwatering. They both have the same basic effect, even though it's for different reasons.
6: Okay. Um, if, and if, if I even the whole went pl- and bought some plant food from the nursery mm. and I sprinkled that all in the soil and dug it. It's it, it's in that you know, that soil that you have for mm. um what's it called Ecrecious?
7: Ericaceous
1: soil,
6: yeah.
1: I would I would water it heavily. Yeah. Then leave it to dry. Don't keep putting water on because you'll have a adverse effect, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Okay. I mean, the only other thing, if it's not to do with the watering, if it, the whole thing's gone bad, it could be disease-related, but nothing springs to mind as no. to what it would be. Most diseases that affect uh, camellia make can go yellow at first, uh, sort of mottled yellow.
6: No, it's been jogging along lovely. It's been yeah. in the pot for ages, and this year I was going to put right. it in a bigger pot.
0: Ah, right, I see.
6: But, that, but that's what I thought. It was something to do with the soil.
0: No,
1: I think it... It may have dried out over winter. I think it's It's dried out over winter. Yeah, it's been
0: very, very dry this winter. uh, Even though I uh, I went out in the garden the other day and one of my um, big bay trees in a pot was um, looking extremely sorry for itself because I'd not thought to water it. Mm. So
1: So really good soak, I Mm, think, is the answer for for Joan in Wickford with her chameleon. Really good soak, then let it dry out, then give it a blooming good soak again. Mm -hmm. And the food will also run down as well if it's got any chance. Let's go to Chris in Southend. We're back on orchids. What orchid have you got then, Chris?
8: I'm sorry, I don't actually know. Is it um, the
1: broad leaf? Has it got a broad leaf and did it have a pansy-like flower?
8: Um, it has, it's got narrow leaves, it's got thinnish leaves.
1: Thinish <laughs> leaves, yeah.
8: And it had, seven or eight years ago, a golden yellow flower.
1: Right, and was it a bit like a sort of...
8: Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember what it looked like. I know it was okay. nice. It was pretty. Uh, I bought it in a small pot, yep. um, actually, to give away... I made it into... A, I put it in a large pot with some other flowers and gave it to my cousin and her husband for their golden wedding anniversary. Right. They kept it for two or three years in their garden. Um, it didn't flower again. It's, it, looked, it grew, uh, but had no flower again. They moved it from shade um, to sun to try and get it to flower, you know, like that. Um, but they've moved into a flat and gave it back to me. That's I went nice. back yeah. to the um, nursery and said, you know, what am I doing? What are they doing wrong? What do I need to do to get it to flower? They told me to put it in the ground, in the shade.
0: Hang on, are we talking
1: orchids?
8: Yeah, an outdoor orchid.
0: An outdoor one? Uh, yeah. Oh, there's not that about many oh, i trying to think what has have got. Many, a yellow flower, the, um, things like a roscoe and the... Um, there well, are well, many. They've got pink, uh, pink or purple flowers, though. Um,
8: now, this was the, definitely no. golden, and it was sold to me as an orchid.
0: Yeah, in our defence... The orchid which is the orchid family, yeah. has got somewhere in the region of 23,000 species in it. <laughs> so, And this is an outdoor one, which actually yeah. aren't...
1: They're not sold that much, are they? No, no, orchid? but there
0: are a few. There were some of the cypripediums and things like that, but they're quite unusual. They're rare. Yeah, uh, you can buy some, but mm. the, the yellow, there's, there's a yellow one. But, I mean, um, the,
7: the I difficulty is... It. Yeah. It's still growing,
8: as in it, it, every yeah, yeah, year yeah. it dies right back, gives me leaves. But what I want to know is how can I bring it to flower again?
1: Tomato food.
0: Uh, I would, <laughs> yeah. yeah <that's... laughs> My
1: answer to everything: tomato food. No, it but is in a way. Potassium
0: is a good thing. I mean, yeah. Uh, if it's, um, it's do this, the garden centre said it should be in the shade. Did they?
8: Yeah. They told yeah. me to put it in the shade, which I've done. Dappled,
0: yeah.
1: dappled shade,
0: though. Dappled I shade. Think. Yeah. Not deep shade. Yeah. And, no, no uh, it's yeah, not deep shade. Yeah. It's and good. just just feed it. Yeah. Feed um, it.
8: Oh right. Okay. What should I feed it?
1: Tomato food.
0: Yeah.
8: Oh, right, OK. I've been giving it chicken pe- pellets, you know, in the spring. No, too oh, that ho- will, ah, that's that, the that problem. That will give
0: it an awful lot of leafy growth, but it won't it stimulate flowering necessarily. Too well, high Orchids notch. are a little bit of an orc- We, I mean, as a as a student, we always referred to orchids as awkwards because there's <laughs> right, so okay. many different things which sometimes uh, mm. may stimulate them to flower or prevent them from flowering, and it's it's getting them all in the right order. And sometimes a season conspires against you say for instance right. things like bee orchids a natural wild orchid in the UK they'll flower one year and you go back the next year to look for them you can't even find the plant it's still there but they're, they're very uh, reluctant to flower unless all the conditions are right so for them so stop the
1: stop the, uh, the the uh, pellets that you're yeah. giving it because that's too high in nitrogen OK?
8: OK, right, thank you very much
1: all right. right, that'll hopefully help her uh, whether we will get into flower this year mm-hmm. <laughs> might have had too much nitrogen early on you see, mightn't uh, it? this possibly, year Possibly, possibly yeah. uh, Catherine Roseby is
7: it? Yes, yes, so I've moved from Orsic into Thurrock, Right. in Essex, and I've been months in Rollsby in Norfolk.
1: Which is um, near, is it near Great Yarmouth then?
7: That's right, Yeah. Right, yes. so
1: what can we do for you now you're um, in sunny Norfolk?
7: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we had to put a lot of uh, turf down, you know, the lawn turf. Yep. And we had quite a few over What with where we dug up old grass as well. Yep. And uh, we filled up a large compost bin with it now it looks like it's not going down very much and it's Mm. it's not on clay the turf but it's similar now is that going to compost well, down in the, in the old
0: in, in the old days when I were a lad did you used to do the I same I was taught to make tur- a sta- turf yeah, stack you yeah, make yeah. turf stacks yeah. you
1: see and you yeah. leave it for a couple of years and yeah. it becomes beautiful it does doesn't yeah, it breaks a, down it, there was two
0: things yes. I was taught to use as um, as spreading topsoil and that's if you make a turf stack and you get the turfs and you put them grass to grass soil to soil yep. and right. make yeah. a stack of them and you leave it for about a year and then you We'd, we would have a shredder. It went That's through. It? Yeah, we used machine. to have a
1: shredder on the back of a rotavator, and we yeah. used to throw it
0: through. Yeah, yeah. And the um, it's yeah. a bit like a mincer for turf, sort of thing, really. And oh, right. um, the but uh, you can do it by hand. It's quite laborious. Uh, and um, <laughs> Uh, the other thing, which is always really useful, not not great when you got them, moles. the old head gardener, when I trained, he, uh, he used to go around with his little we'll little the tiny mole. tractor, almost like a toy tractor, oh. picking up all the mole hills because it was brilliant um, topsoil spreading. So, oh, so um, that, that's that's what it used to be and used for. But you won't be able to compost it, though.
1: It well, won't.
7: It's, um, it's Hang a on. compost on. But no. I did put grass- it, no, 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 you, no, you leave, no. leave
1: it in the open. You don't need it in the compost bin because it's not picking up enough moisture. Yeah. So you need oh. it actually not in a bin.
0: Yeah.
7: It'll oh, turn to vinegar if
0: awesome you leave
1: it in the bin. I've
7: utilised nearly all the garden. Um, so if I watered it, would that be any use? If well, I think
0: watered well, it's a
1: waste of a compost bin, really. Oh no! but
7: I've got seven.
3: <laughs> well, water it then.
0: Water it. Water uh, the, the main it. thing is, though, that the, because it, it's not getting much air into you you need to sort of try and turn it regular. Otherwise, what happens is that the grass in the um, uh, in your compost bin will start to turn into what's effectively silage. Right. So you get a sort of vinegary smell. So because you're yeah. going to get
1: you, you you haven't put it in layers, have you? Put grass on top of it, haven't you?
7: Well, yeah. Well, I've put it in like upside down, dirt up, and then I've put the next one dirt up like right, that.
1: Yeah. But you've, you said you've added grass to it as well, you oh, said?
7: Oh, no, no, I haven't. Oh, you haven't? No, it, no.
1: I'd take, can you not pull, is it a compost bin you can pull off the top?
7: I might be able to, but we're, we're a bit ancient
1: in age. So okay, well, take the, take the lid off, leave the lid off and give it
0: a bit of water and let yeah. the air get in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah probably will best
7: you can do now. Yeah. Down then? It, you It'll know, it...
0: t- basically you'll get a very similar volume to what you've got now in there. It won't rot down much because the grass doesn't make up a high volume of it. So you'll get a soil in there. And That's what I'm saying. Really, it's unfortunate. What you want to do is you get let the air get to it because otherwise so... it gets very vinegary. And it, 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 you'll right. sort of, literally you'll smell it. Sort of, a slight sort of like yeah, Vinegary sweet smell.
7: So if we could get the whole thing off, take it off, and that would.
0: Leave it alone. Better. Just leave it alone. Leave yeah, it alone. Yeah.
7: Yeah. yeah. Okay, then. Well, okay. Yeah, many nice. thanks. Thank That's you, no Kath, no, no.
1: from Rollsby. Rollsby. Not had that one before, you see. Uh, Neville from Rain. Hello, Neville.
5: The tea to you, his father. <laughs> <laughs> um, I put some freezer bulbs in pots sort of uh, late spring, early summer last year. Uh-huh. Yeah. Nothing showed during the hot weather. And then... About January, February, they start to the show through, and now they're just coming on bad. Is that unusual yeah. for an outside for Egypt? Uh, well, well see,
0: see. when you say outside Frisia, they're only really outside in places like the Scilly Isles and the Channel Isles. Right. Um, we, we, we would have a great deal of difficulty growing them outside in all but the most very sheltered locations, climate change notwithstanding. It's a, they really like a sort of a, a mild winter, because basically right. they're, they're, they're Mediterranean type things. So they want right. a mild, wet winter with a, a hot, dry summer, and they flower towards the end of the winter. A that hot, you, dry right. summer stimulates the flowers for the next year. So, I mean, what it looks like they've done is you put them in and they've just, they've not like thought much of uh, last year's summer and thought, well, we'd give up. And they've decided <laughs> to have a go this year. <laughs> yeah,
5: they've been on patio table all winter and, uh, you know, they've
0: survived.
5: And yeah. Just another quick question about an asperdistra. I've got that outside that's been in the planter for several years. What mm-hmm. soil would you use to... Replant
0: it. Uh, well, Aspidistra is a is oh, right. cast iron plant. We grow them outside uh, at Rittle uh, in right. the, the gardens at the university. And we, we um, two species we grow uh, out there. They, they, we put them both into brick earth, which is you know the sort of the soil we've got there. So it's a, a, a somewhat sandy clay, uh, right. and um, they, they do fine in that. But I mean, I, I don't think it's the secret of growing them is to just to make treat sure treat them you, harsh. D- d- yeah, <laughs> they want to be in the shade. They don't want to be too wet. Uh, they can all take right. quite low temperatures you know so they don't want to too much they, they thrive That's on right. neglect. Neglect is what uh, it's yeah. about, isn't it yeah and definitely don't
1: put too much humus around them at all.
0: No no all they, right. they, they, they like they're a dry forest floor plant from uh, India so but oh, they, they, right. yeah. they, they thrive uh, outside more than people think We've been putting them out into gardens there just to sort of demonstrate that because one on a north wall at that Rittles has been out for 30 years so it's, <laughs> it, they've survived the worst that could be thrown at them.
5: Yeah, this one's quite old, but obviously in the container the roots have been
0: contained, so it
1: hasn't got too large, really. But no. no, might no. be. Um, I mean, they, they don't like much potting on, but if it's been in there, how long has it been in that one pot? Oh, about ten
5: years, I should think.
1: It yeah. could be worth actually a repot, couldn't it? Yeah, but not the, much bigger.
0: If you want to keep the same size pot, you can always knock it out. You can divide them, but they take about a year to recover from it, but they recover quite well. Right. And now is the time to do it, just now, because right. you've got all summer for the plant to recover. Yeah,
3: all right. Thank you. Well, not help, no
0: Back
1: to your gardening questions in a moment, but right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, we've got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden this week. Now, one of the things that I think you should be doing is removing all the autumn bedding. Now, one of the things I used to do is dig them in, but in fact, there's a great danger that if you dig in your violas and your pansies, they'll reappear next year. But you definitely need to prepare the beds, add compost, add a bit of manure and get them ready for the spring, bulb, uh, spring planting a bit later on. But don't be too eager with those bedding plants unless you've got some fleece handy that you can definitely cover them with. Um, keep them sheltered in perhaps a cold greenhouse or somewhere that you can put up against the house for now and then get them out planted a bit later on. If you're doing baskets and things like that and you've got a cold greenhouse, you could plant those up now and there's plenty of small plants around that you could be using for that. Now, the other thing that you should be doing is, yes, your four scythias and your spring flowering plants will have finished flowering and you need to cut back all the old growth out of those. Cut it back by about two-thirds and you'll get new growth from... Take Forsythia as an example. you get new growth from that and that is what produces the buds that will then flower next spring. So anything that flowered this winter, think about cutting back by about two-thirds to encourage new growth. And I like to give it a bit of fertiliser at the same time. So put a bit of granular fertiliser around it, fork it in, and you'll find that your plant will grow on really well. And uh, they are... There's a few tips, couple of tips. Get out there in the garden and enjoy it.
0: The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther.
1: And we go over to Halstead to talk to Ian about rhododendrons. Is that right?
5: Yes, hello, Ken. Um, I've got a bed of rhododendrons in front of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them has got uh, the le- the leaves are yellowing and have done so, so over the past two or three months. The rest of them are fine and they're all budding up. So, do I need to worry about it? Will it clear itself? Oh we, no! Mm. Is it the leaves are yellowing? Is it yellowing.
0: Yeah. Are, are, are they, um? Is it, what's the pattern of the yellowing? Is it the joint going all yellow? Are they shrivelling or are you getting yellow spots like they're mottling on them? They're not
5: mottling, they're, they're gradually going yellow all over. Yeah.
1: From um, in to out or out to in? Oh in dear. to out.
8: <laughs> I'm not sure.
5: <laughs> OK,
1: don't worry. Um, yellowing mm. to trumpet Now, and it's close to other rhododendrons?
5: Yes, there's a bed of about six established rhododendrons. It's just one which seems to have this uh, these yellow leaves on it.
0: Mm. Um normally yellowing of the leaves is uh, something called lime induced chlorosis, but it, it sort of usually starts a pattern of um because of mot mottling. Yellow, mottling yeah. because um, the plant can't get enough um iron if the if the soil gets too um uh, too too is, um, alkaline. Now, right. what I would say, therefore, it's quite dry. Rhododendrons like a, oh, a lot know, of moisture. Water. Yeah, because I mean, I I started work as a rhododendron uh, gardener at a woodland garden in the Lake District. And we get 120 inches of rain there a year. Essex gets less than 20, and we've just come through. We've had 12 dry, inches of rain yeah. in the last twen- in the last uh, 12 months. So it's really not um, particularly um, rhododendron country at the moment. So I would suggest watering them. And also there's something called sequestered iron you can get. It's usually sold as sequestrine. That's not a brand name. It's a description. I'd be like saying grow more or something. It's an acid feed. Yeah. Okay. And I would... Target that one in particular, we give them all the feed with that. The other thing you really ought to do is to get some um some compost over the leaf mould is ideal if you can if you've got it in your garden. But I mean get some compost and mulch over the surface because very shallow rooting. They like to root up at the surface. Don't yeah. get mushroom compost though, because it's alkaline as hell.
1: <laughs> and it's always interesting, it's interesting if you have leaf mm. mould, you see, and everybody talks about leaf mould, you get leaf mould, and I'll tell you who's favourite, Gardener's World. Oh, just plant it in leaf mould. And I tell okay. you what, the number of people I was talking to a garden centre operator and they're saying they drive us around the Bend garden as well because he keeps talking about leaf mold and it's one of the products that you cannot buy. No, it doesn't you have to exist. Make it, you have to make, you have it, have to yourself. make it yourself. Yeah, yeah. So, in fact, a good substitute <laughs> is a, you could even use an acid based compost yes, or yeah. Composted bark would work well.
0: Yes, it should do. Yeah. If but you use, see
1: that the the ground is really wet before yeah, you put it. If on. you're going to
0: use an acid-based compost, go make sure you get a soilless one. Don't go yeah. for a John in this one or anything like that, just because that's just putting soil on top, which will actually suffocate the roots a bit. So make sure you use a soilless, ericaceous uh, right. compost. And
1: if yeah. you, just to confuse you a bit more, when you <laughs> when you read when you read the acid feeds. Have a look for one, because some of them you can actually use as a foliar feed. Mm. So if it says that you can use it as a foliar feed, you could pour it over the leaf, and the good leaves will absorb it through the
5: leaf. Right, OK.
1: Which will help it quicker. Mm.
5: Yeah. Thank you. Uh, well, well, we, we, we have got plenty of leaf mold, because we have a large oak tree, which... Uh, just the uh, job. <laughs> yeah. a lot of leaves.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if you're going to grow rhododendrons, my um, tip would be in the autumn... Make yourself a leaf mold pit, which is just basically a cage made of chicken wire and posts in the ground and um, if you put if you, everything in uh, there put, put all your um, oak leaves in there it makes the finest uh, leaf mould there is and if you're not sure all to right. make a leaf mould pit I could recommend uh, Lavelle and Lavelle how to make a wildlife garden yes <laughs> there's a great great book that Mick Lavelle
1: and his missus have written on that one okay, <laughs> okay. thank you thank you're you probably. and that's Ian from Halstead <laughs> and we go to Lynn now Lynn where's Lynn she's in White Notley aren't you Lynn and I ought to remind people because you have given us a call on 0800 40 4041 that's 0800 We have a line free at the moment I haven't forgotten you on the messages as well I'll get to there as well uh, Let's do uh, uh, Lynn from White Notley Lynn what are we talking about today at White Notley
2: Hello Ken Borg and Villiers oh, yes. mm-hmm. I've got three um, They're about 8 foot tall I want to shorten them to about 6 foot But they don't look very happy
1: they never do this, Tommy. <laughs> no. No. Um, you so got them inside, go? have you, presumably? No I cut
2: the no,
1: one on. and a half foot off Hang the top? on. Hang on. Hold. Are they in a... A conservatory? Conservatory. No, they're
2: in a pen which is all fleeced.
0: All right, so you've got them protected outside. Yeah. I know some people have been trying them outside recently. Some success. So I wouldn't um, do it yet, then. No, I would... Um, really, the trick with the Bougainvillea is that they they, they, go, they go through... a Basically, a dormant season now, where they come from that 's a, a cool, dry season, so they lose all yeah. the leaves. If you've got them in the ground here, this year has been a dry season it turns out, but generally speaking they, they, they tend to be a bit moist than they would be, so they sort of they, they, they lose a lot of condition, they look awful. As soon as they start to come back into growth again, they just re-erupt with, with great vigour. And know? that's so, when yeah. you could
1: prune it, isn't it? And
0: I, I would just immediately before that. So yeah. I would be sort of aiming middle of the month or something like that. As soon as you start to see some... Middle of May emerging, we're talking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we're yes. still in April. Yeah. Not the middle of April, because <laughs> no. Like, uh, no time machine available. So, yeah, so uh, middle of May, uh, go, go get on to them then. But really, that's a sort of like my sort of tip for when. But I, I would also temper that with saying, as soon as you start to see some growth on them. And they will come back quite vigorous. They'll, they will look like, you know, as if um, you've killed them when you first cut them back. But if you say they're eight foot and you want to get them back to how, to, how tall, do you say you want to get them to? About six foot. Yep. Yeah. I mean, my, my tip would be take them back to about five, five. foot. And then, right, and then be prepared to shorten back some of these enormous growths which will immediately come up from the roots.
2: OK. Right, OK. okay. All right. I, I've given them a feed of tomato feed because they're in pots.
0: Yeah. Yeah, oh. a bit early, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, okay. I mean, when when you've pruned them though, give them a feed with uh, high nitrogen or just a general purpose general thing. Any of the, the general purpose um, sort of uh, things which you you, you know you c- c- claim that your plant will grow twice as big in a year, anything like that. All those sorts of things are fine.
1: We now go to Graham in Braintree. We're talking. We're out in the veg plot with you, Graham, aren't we?
9: Yes, we certainly are. I'm having trouble this year with my carrots and beetroot not coming up. They've been in. Um, Round about a month, they have. I kept them slightly watered and covered over, I have, but nothing come up, so this week I dug them all up again and sowed some more seeds I have. And uh, my runner beans I put in trays in the cupboard I do to keep moist with kitchen roll, but they're not germinating.
1: Right, well, let's go to carrot and beetroot. Carrot and right. beetroot, if you did it a month ago... It should have come up by now, yeah. No, I think the temperature, if you look uh, at what we've... We've had we've
0: night had lo- temperatures night temperature and frosts, yeah. haven't we, Grant? But if you covered them, though, um, did you enough. buy the seed this year?
9: Yes, I did. You
0: did, so So it is fresh seed then, yeah, because that's the first thing that occurs to me. Sometimes people, they oh, I'll use the seed from last year, and sometimes it's I not I still fresh. think
1: it's night temperatures have been a problem.
0: Possibly, yeah. Even yeah. with a cover. Yeah.
9: That's why I kept Mova uh, covered over at night. I have. And then well, with, with fleece? Uh, yes.
1: Yeah, yeah.
9: You're doing I the right have. thing because that's about three, four yeah, degrees, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but I'm not the only one who's had problem with I them this year. Yeah, it may, it may just yeah, be the sort of
0: general conditions. Yeah. I mean, if, if one thing you, you should always take heart from, even if, it's, if you don't get the result you want, if you don't get the result you want and nobody else around you is, you know that it's not just you.
9: No. So you can absolutely. take
0: heart from that, it's not just suddenly that you've lost your ability to be a gardener. Um, but from yeah. that, I would say that it was something on an allotment, is it? Or is it in your garden?
9: In my garden, that yeah. is.
0: And, but you've got other neighbours who are also growing vegetables out in the garden as well, is it?
9: Well, I've got one neighbour who grows some vegetables.
0: Yeah, yeah. But if they're yeah. having the same sort of trouble, it may just be general conditions. Yeah. I mean, that's
9: the, the, that's what I reckon. I've been. Uh, Do you have I mean, cloches? Vegetables for. I've yeah. been doing it got uh the vegetable plots for about 50 years.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've not yeah. had a
9: problem, but this year I am.
0: No, well, the ground's very dry and I've been watering, but the ground's very dry. It's also been a bit cold at night. Um That's have right. you have you got cloches there? Uh,
9: have you yeah, got I've any got row uh, cloches. Uh, a green thing over over my head. Well,
0: what I was suggesting if you could always put a cloche out uh over the ground about a week before you you mean to sow. And that will warm the soil up beforehand. Yeah. And then just take the cloche off in the middle of the day when it's nice and warm. Put your drill in, uh, sow your seed, cloche back on the top. That will. That's, that's the sort of standard way to try and you know get yes, things going the, early.
9: Garden is fairly enclosed and uh, mm. that is uh, quite warm all the time.
1: I think you've done the right thing. You've resown yeah, yeah. and. To yes. let us know how they get on what, the beans now hang on you've just are they in compost the beans or are they just on on toweling what, what have you done with the beans that you said uh,
9: uh, I've, no they didn't germinate I've put them in compost and they've been in a cupboard they have where it's not hot mm. but dark but uh, mm. there's no sign of them germinating at the moment
0: and that,
9: mm. did you buy all be... your
0: seed from the same place did you
9: no, no. no. no,
0: no As I say, don't go there again. <laughs> <laughs>
1: the yeah. beans, you don't need them in the cupboard, though, particularly, do you? It shouldn't do, no. I mean, no. it should
0: be OK in a window. I do not in blazing sunlight. It be
1: and they're, okay. in, they're quite warm conditions, the beans.
9: Oh, yes, fairly warm conditions. I do, I do it every year and don't have a problem after about yeah. a week. They start to spear. They should, do so a week, I know, week, yeah. should
1: be up. Well, I'd again give those about 10 days, and if they don't show, I'd go out and buy another packet of beans from a different manufacturer, mm. different supplier. Sorry, they're not mm. manufactured, Yes, they. indeed. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah? Okay. Sorry right. we can't help you more with the beans, though. That's, that's strange, the beans, yeah. isn't it? Let's go to Helen in Leiden Who got a lemon
2: tree, haven't you? Oh, yes. Hello. Um, yeah, from um, years ago, from a pip, I... Planted it, and um, yep. now I have a small lemon tree, like a foot, a foot high. Um, it's not growing anymore but I get no lemons. You um, might, just you might not.
0: Mm-hmm. but the problem with um, a lot of citrus is that the um, that the the citrus fruit that you get is a is a hybrid. It's the product of breeding, and so when you get the pips out of them, the pips are genetically different to the parent because they've been cross-pollinated. Right. And so when you sow the seed, sometimes you may get lemons on there, but often you find people will get this because, oh, the lemons are are not very good. And you think, yeah, because it's just the breeding that goes into them has all been targeted to make the good one on one generation. Okay, It takes quite a long time to breed. It's something like 10, 10 years, years before they get the, uh, the fruit. So they're, they're very keen to then uh, gra- graft all of those on to, um, to, to other rootstocks and, and things like that. So. And
1: the ones that you buy, when you buy a small lemon trees, they're, ne- they're all grafted, aren't mm-hmm. they? They're never uh, seedling ones, yeah, you see. Yeah, yeah. I think I would you have just...
2: To graft them.
0: Uh, no, no. But no. No, what I would, what I would suggest from your point of view is, that you're not going to get lemons on it. What you really want to be aiming for, and it will take about ten years, is blossom, because yeah. it's uh-huh. not, not for the sake of the fruits, because it's you might get fruits forming on them. They might not be the best lemons, okay, but uh-huh. the lemon blossom, lovely, on, on even wild lemons or cultivated ones, is phenomenal, and that's what you want to grow them for, really.
2: Okay, I'll put it in the soil eventually. This week or something,
1: yeah. Well, outside, we'll outside. outside. Well, re- remember, they're not 100% hardy, a lemon uh-huh. tree.
2: OK. Yeah. So well, that's helpful. Thank
1: you. Now we have some gardens that are open across the county in the next week or so, so why not n- make a note of them? And I'll start off by Green Island. And that's in Park Road in Ireland. Ardley. I'll give you the postcode a bit later on, but these are these are worth going to see. They're run by the National Garden Scheme, which of course is a charity, and this one is open on Sunday the 5th of May. Admissions 7.50, children 2.50. Garden for all seasons. It's actually a plantsman's paradise. 20 acres, packed with rare and unusual plants. It's got a huge island bed, Japanese garden, terrace garden, gravel garden, seaside garden, water garden, and woodland plantings. Not forgetting the tea room with homemade cakes and snacks. They are, that's well worth going to, Green Island, CO7-7-SP. Let's look go over now to Clavering. Now, Clavering Gardens, there's a group there. There's Chestnut Cottage and Pierce-Webbs. Two gardens there. I'll give you the postcode a bit later on. They're open again on uh, no on the sixth Monday, the sixth of May, which is a nice for those of you who have got Mondays off. Admission for Clavering Gardens is six pound. Combined admission is eight pound. Homemade teas at Wickets in Langley and Upper Green. That is Chestnut Cottage is an acre cottage garden with sweeping lawns and flower borders opposite Clavering Ford. Well worth going to have a look at. And Pierce Webbs has a formal old walled garden and yew hedges, shrubs, lawns, and ha ha! <laughs> not forgetting lots of topiary. So they are there, well worth going to. So go to the Clavering Gardens group. That's at CB114QL. Last but not least, Wickets in Langley Upper Green. Uh, open again on Monday the 6th of May between 12 and 5. Admission is £5 children free. And uh, go along there, it's a peaceful country garden, far from the madding crowd, wide, informal mixed borders, including shrub, roses, perennials, two landscape meadows, a shepherd's hut with a fine pastoral, pastoral views. That's a difficult one. I didn't get round that very well. It's got a large lily pond, sheltered by silver birch. It's well worth going to see because it's also got a dry garden. So go along to Langley Upper Green, and that's at CB114RY. If you have an event or a garden that's open, why not drop me a line? Uh, You can send it by email to ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk or drop it in the post. Ken Crowther again, BBC Essex, P.O. Box 765, Chelmsford, CM2, 9XB. And don't forget, a couple of weeks' advance warning is what we're after. Thanks very much indeed. Go out, enjoy looking at gardens and enjoy going to those events. We'll go back to the phones and talk to Barry from Braintree. Hello, Barry.
9: Morning, guys. How are you doing?
1: We're good. fine. Good. How about yourself?
9: Yeah, really good, thanks, actually. Um, I like lovely Laura on the phone to suffer with hay fever.
0: Uh, I bet she's not been too bad this year. But um, if I wanted to take up my grass,
5: my lawn,
7: mm-hmm. and
5: put down fake grass, what do you recommend? I, how would you go
0: about it? Uh, well, there are specifications for it. I mean, um, the, the, it's essentially... It's not simple. Yeah, you have to put something... I mean, you can. it's almost like putting it down onto a hardcore base. I, think, uh, because okay. I, I can't remember. It's one of these things... There are specifications there for the is. product, and you have to look at what it is. But it's a, it's a construction project rather than you a can't, garden project. You, you know?
1: can't just take off your lawn and put artificial grass down.
0: No, you get weeds going through it, genuinely. Yeah. Mm. That was my question, yeah. What would you yeah. do to stop the weeds? No, yeah. you
1: can't do it. it basically, you use um, hardcore for drainage, mm. usually type 1 to allow... Uh, the water to go through and then you put it on sand you fix it on the outsides with mm. timber which it is just stretch to mm-hmm. um, it is not a simple job
0: yeah and then you have also got okay. the infill sometimes you have yep. granular infill to in between the uh, plants and sleep the, the grass uh, strands the false grass strands themselves so it's, okay. does that answer your question
9: yeah, so it's not just, a, I thought I didn't know whether it was as simple as if she'd taken the turf off. No, it's not like putting Green like grocer's turf
1: down
0: or anything like that.
9: No, uh, if
1: you look on some of the roundabouts where they've used it, you'll see that they haven't laid it properly. They've just pulled it in, and in fact, there's weeds growing through it. Have yeah. you noticed that on roundabouts sometimes?
0: Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so And, it, and it, to look good, it has to be really level as well. If it if it's lumpy, yeah. it just looks like, like I say, a lot of old Green grocer's turf rolled out. If you know what I mean, the stuff that you put out inside the greengrocer's.
9: Okay.
5: I guess, like, um, in, over time,
9: I presume it's still going to sink a little bit like real turf.
0: No, no. No, no. Not if, not if, if you've done, laid
1: it properly, yeah. No, if it's okay. done properly, it will not sink.
5: Okay.
9: Okay. All right, thank
1: you very much. Cheers, guys. Okay, okay. Barry from Braintree, it is very specialist. Mm, mm, and if you can track really. See mm. that you get a good contractor. Yeah. Not someone who said. I mean, in fact, I got involved with one uh, a few years back, and it—it was—it was. A, it was. Painful, yes. <laughs> painful, and I would never try getting involved with one again. The other thing to say about it as well I is really it, wouldn't.
0: It's um, you have to keep it clean as well because it yeah. will fill up with all sorts of bits of leaves and things like that. And if, if the because it's a material that goes in between the, uh, the the nylon or whatever grass strands, and if that starts to get filled up with organic matter, you'll get weeds growing in it anyway.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't forget the number to call is oh eight hundred triple one forty forty one. That's the number to call. We've got a line free at the moment. But I, I did promise to get through some of your texts. So I'm actually going to plod through a few tricks. Not plod. We'll, we'll discuss them. And this is a good one, actually. This is a nice one. I like this one. I'm about to have a new porch built. And there are more than a dozen mining bees where the concrete base will go. Who do I call? I need to find them a new home. That's quite an interesting one. Mm. I mean, do you go to a bee keeper because he's not no, involved um, with them is he it's wildlife there's more, about
0: it? i think over 200 wild, wild species of um solitary bees very in the valid some okay. of them are quite rare yeah uh, it depends on what you've got there. i mean the, the, the commonest ones are things like the tawny mining bee and things like that which you can find in lawns mm-hmm. and things like that uh it, and they're a,
1: protected aren't they need to be protected some some
0: are yeah. Yeah. some so, some less so than others but I mean it's, uh, it, it is a bit of a tricky one really because as soon and as they move? emerge they start to um, to forage and make new nests so, so what would you do what would the, you do now, now, now me, I'm from my you, point of view if um, I would wait till the, the stage I saw them starting to emerge and I would do the work then because there's a chance that the adults which have emerged would have a chance then of going can, somewhere going else somewhere else yeah
1: because you can't move them no Physically move them, can
0: yeah. you? No, I mean they they are in the ground, and they found where they want to be. if you try and lift them out, you'll you'll damage the uh, the nests.
1: So it's better to wait till the adults. So hopefully, ho- your porch will yeah. wait long enough for them to emerge, mm. which should be could be any time now, really. It could should, should be be like about May now, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it yeah. depends on
0: the species, but they, they, she'll know obviously exactly when they they come okay. out.
1: Okay, so um, let's um, let's. Go to hydrangeas, one pom-pom variety, the other is lace. So I imagine they mean mm. the uh, normal sort of...
0: Yeah, yeah, the um, hortensis types, yeah.
1: Two years ago, I cut them right down, so last year I had no flowers. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. This year, plenty of leaf coming, but some of them are now are going brown and shriveled at the tips. Water. frost it's a
0: frost or frost and possibly water, water hydrangeas like a lot of water another west coast plant really which would go among the east coast you've got to water them seems like the r- have talked about before
1: and they're saying there's no signs of buds but their buds might not show yet flower buds flower buds oh, no, it's pretty, pretty i early. think she means it's flower pretty buds. early for that yeah
0: yeah i mean it won't real... really show until late may
1: yeah and in fact goes on to say is the browning frost or disease it's frost it's frost cold dry yeah so give them plenty of water also notice this on some young magnolia plants I'm growing in my greenhouse. Uh, again, dryish conditions, bit possibly, of sunburn.
0: Possibly sunburn of the greenhouse. Sunburn, yeah. Yeah. I reckon, mm. don't you? Mm.
1: So now we've another one. Um, what type of feed do, I, do my hydrangeas need,
0: says Susan from Chelmsford. Um, any type will do. If you're on an acidic soil... Yep. You can get the bluing compound, which will make them bluer. So, so, if you're on a very acidic soil, you don't need it. But if you're on about, you know, sort of 6.5, 6 or 6.5, you can put some bluing powder on it, and make them nice and blue. If it's not important to have them blue, and or if you're on an alkaline soil, any general purpose fertilizer will do. So, if you get some like, fish, blood, and bone, grow more type things down this work, time of the year, work it into the soil and then mulch them, they'll be fine.
1: There's a line for you at the moment on 0800 40 4041. You're listening to the Gardening Phone In, And Ken Crowther and Mick Lavelle are here answering your gardening questions. Don't forget, you can pick up on the uh, on the podcast of this programme with lots of other information uh, later on this afternoon on the BBC Sounds app. You can send us a text here in the studio, 81333. And uh, you can go from that as well. So that's uh, triple three. start the message with the word Essex. Simple as that. Let's now uh, go to uh, the phones and talk to Bob in Great Baddow. Hello, Bob.
3: Morning, lads. Um Morning. To show you what sort of amateur I am, I'm emptying my pots now of, of the old um,
9: compost and stuff before I plant up my new potted plants. That old stuff. Can I use that as top dressing for my lawn?
0: You can, yeah. Um, obviously, if it if it's just sort of like spread across thinly, um, if it's a soil based one, that's even better. What you might want to do, if you're going to spread it across the lawn, get some um, sand, not builder's sand or anything like that. But if you get some sand or something, like that, or even a little, if you've got a bit of light topsoil and mix it in with it, it yeah. will spread better. But yes, you can spread it across a lawn; it's not a problem.
3: Right, smashing. So mm-hmm. if I've got weeds, do I? Slightly different
0: question. Do Hang I on. Weed... Weeds? where in uh, your lawn? Or
3: uh, no, it, lawn itself. Let's move on. Yeah, yeah weeds right. in the lawn. Do I do I kill the weeds off before I scarify and plug?
0: Um, in the lawn, it, it doesn't yeah. really matter what order you do it in. But killing weeds in a lawn, there's two ways you can do. it. You can either spot weed them. You know, you get one of these dabbers you get from a garden centre or something like that, and just spot weed into the centre of. So if you've got things like plantain and bigger weeds. Um, or you can use one of the feed and weed compounds. Um, you get, they need to be applied around about now. And the lawn needs to be kept irrigated, watered, because the pl- the plants need to be growing. they need to be mowing the lawn, because what happens yeah. with them? They're selective weed killers, and they they make the plants grow. The broadleaf plants grow up very quickly, and the lawnmower catches them. So there's, there's two okay. two a, 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 neither, both those operations are pretty much independent of things like scarifying and um, and uh, coring, if you're if you going to core or spiking. Yeah,
3: right, smash
1: it. Thanks very much, right. much, mate. No That's a pleasure. That's Bob in Great Baddow. Um, and Stephen Shubert. this is another nice one. I know you're not supposed to advertise as such on the BBC, but could you possibly advise me on a good all-round gardening book? I much prefer to have a good book to refer to <laughs> than logging in to the web all the time. So I imagine Steve's after a general gardening yeah. book. Yeah, They're quite difficult.
0: There's lots and lots of books, we say, the complete book of, and it's, there's so much, as you know, there yeah, there's so much in horticulture. It's, do you know,
1: one of the ones that's the simplest in a way is the Be Your Own Expert books.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And although people think, you know, Okay, they're only a thin book, but they give you—I mean, the shrub one gives you all yeah, the different yeah, shrubs and yeah. how they, what they grow. There's one on lawns. There's yeah. one.
0: They're not a bad starting point, do you I, think? Do you know? I've said this to students for years, saying that if they want to to find out about a subject, I mean, obviously, with degree students who have a the college, they need to find out a great depth. Yeah. But if they want to get get to know what it's about, not a bad start. But that is it. They, they are put down fairly simply, but it's usually enough for, for an amateur to really start to get to grips with it. Following on from that, of course, if you're interested and you want to find out more, there are plenty of other books which are available.
1: OK, give that a try. Good morning, Ken and Mick. I would like to grow some Alstroemeria and also Lysianthus. Could you tell me when they're grown, how they, if they're grown from a bulb or from a seed or how they're grown and when will be the best time
0: to grow them? Right, now. Yeah. In both cases, they're uh, plants which are grown for um, cut flowers. That's probably where they're known for. Lysianthus isn't really grown much as a, a garden border specimen, but is grown in glass houses. And Alstroemeras, which are grown for cutting, are also a particular varieties, which are tall. Alstroemeras, you can grow them outside in the ground. Uh, but there's a, a group called lig Two Hybrids, which are usually about... Two foot high, maybe yes, like. they're very fluoriferous. They? they spread through a light soil, You like to be in a light soil rather than a heavy clay soil. It's not stopped just trying to grow them at the, uh, the university. I've also good. seen them growing in containers yes, as well. Yes, they do quite well. And, and there's, there's a number of different league like two hybrids, an old fashioned one which is reliable, but there are some other newer ones and some species. But the um, the Lycianthus is one of these things which is possibly a bit more of a pot specimen, but you grow the plants, not bulbs. And another one here from Mark,
1: who says, the problem the man had with his beans is exactly the same as I had last year. I planted 30 beans in three batches of a 10-week period, so I got about four beans and never had problems before. This year, my wife has banned me from growing any beans, but my tomatoes are doing very well.
0: Well, that's just was to show, if you can't grow one thing, there's always something else that you can actually uh, uh, make do with instead.
1: Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. If you missed any of the answers, to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you on the BBC Sounds app. Don't forget, if you have a gardening question for us, why not give us a call on 0800 311 4041 and be part of the programme every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from
3: 11.